AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. When I write y'all, all across the USC, Compton, Watts, Bay to LA, Pomona, California, from valley to valley, we represent that killer county. So if you keeping it real on your side of your town, you tune in to Gangster Chronicles. Gangster Chronicles, we gon' tell you how it goes. If I lie, my nose will grow like Pinocchio. We gon' tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. Gangster Chronicles, this is not your average show. You're now tuned into the real MCA Big James and Big Stairs. Strictly from the streets. Hello. We represent the 
Welcome to the Gangster Chronicles podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Black Effect Podcast Network. Make sure you download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles. For my Apple users, hit the purple mic on your front screen, subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles, and leave a five-star rating and comment. We'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Gangster Chronicles podcast, and I'm with my guy, Jill. And you know we got our guy, Soren Baker, you know, journalist yes, yes. extraordinaire. I'm back. I'm here. Hip-hop expert. Thanks for having me, y'all. Appreciate you know, it. What would they call that in the university now, man? You, uh, I don't know. Hip a hipologist, <laughs> yeah, hipopologist. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. Yeah, we had to figure up. that out because hip hop is fifty years old, and staying in tune with that, we are gonna start wrapping up this top fifty gangster rap albums of all time. I got a few emails last week. I got an email from a couple of guys over in Italy. Okay couple people from Spain, a couple people from Germany. It's amazing how people overseas just so much more into hip-hop, just so much more into the culture than they are here in the States because they was really into it. They were saying, could we get a more finalized list? Because we know you guys have been talking about it. And I said, you know, we do have another list coming. We just have holding these conversations right now. Right. So staying in tune with what I promised the people in those emails, we're going to start getting busy with the big reveal coming next week for the actual top 50. The final top 50, because everything you've heard thus far have just been our thoughts. Right. So we get that going. And, you know, we was having a debate earlier, and y'all be killing me, man, because y'all say a lot of my favorite songs ain't gangster rap. Like, I can't believe y'all don't think Rick Ross is a gangster rapper. I can't believe y'all don't think Biggie is a gangster rapper. Y'all killing me. But they're not, though, still. Biggie Smalls, he was a gangster rapper. Nah. What ain't gangster about him? What is he then? I know y'all can say he a hustler rapper. To me, Biggie is kind of like the precursor to Rick Ross. I can see a lot of Rick Ross and Biggie, you know, from the style of the big man flavor, Ross done lost a gang of weight now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could see it, but Biggie. They don't sound like Ross definitely got his own shit. Yeah, but I, I just think that Biggie was different in the sense of his uh, – his storytelling and stuff, I think, is different because Ross, while similar in some ways, yeah, I just I don't see it. No, they don't sound alike. I'm just talking about as far as aesthetics, you know, from the dress and everything. Yeah. You know, Biggie would wear the Coogee sweaters and the shit. He was the first big dude to kind of get fresh. Well, actually, oh, Heavy, Heavy D. Heavy D. I was going to say Heavy D. Well, the Fat Boys, too. Let's not, people always forget the Fat Boys. The Fat Boys actually had some jamming ass beats, too. They had shit that knocked. Shout out Cool Rock Ski. And Prince Marky D and Buffy. People sleep on the Fat Boys, man, but they're very important. You can't very Fat Boys are very rap. important. They hip hops was well, some of hip hop's first superstars. Yeah, had mega movies, had endorsement deals at the time when having. Remember when you had endorsement deals back in the day? People would dish you. Yeah, Prince Marky D used to produce some good records too. Yes, he did a lot of R and B. The little album he did after you know down yeah. the road, that motherfucker was banging. I used to bang that shit. Yeah, they uh. I remember, too, when they had that movie Disorderlies, and I talked to Cool Rock Ski about this in particular, but I just remember that was one of those early moments where my dad actually liked something that was rap that was a little outside the normal realm. Mm -hmm. And I just remember that. Yeah, that was that was on some way commercial yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that was opening the door to that, you know, that... uh. That yep. other side of 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 hip hop, you other feel other side me? of the business. 
motherfuckers do, you know, that's that's when other people come in, get to making Taco Bell commercials and shit <laughs> like that. Yep. People, you know, people kind of, uh, oh, I like that, you know. Yeah. He made a rap about tacos and shit, yeah. you know. So that's how that aspect came in. That remember they had the, uh, and shit. And they had the Wipeout song. They had the Twist. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, they was doing a... They was doing that uh that tone loke route, you know that wild thing route, and like the sex machine, the James yeah, Brown. Let's try to rework, you know, because um, uh, hip hop was, you know, trying to find, you know, that identity as far as they was concerned, coming from the early stages, yep. and then you know, um, to me, that was their hottest project, was their first project. You well, know, you can tell they, when they got with the major label, they started trying to turn them into a novelty act, kind of. They was trying to right. capitalize off the popularity yeah. because at the time, they didn't even know if hip-hop was going to still be around. So it was one of them things like, let's make as much money as we can. Right, it's like one of those, uh, one of those, yeah, those that, that beginning thing, you know, let's, let's, Let's snatch and grab that yeah. shit, you know, because they didn't know, like you said. Then with Crush Groove and the success of of uh, the Jailhouse rap and the yeah. all you can eat and all in the, yeah, the yeah. stick them and all that shit, you know, like you said, they got picked up by a major, and then the majors yeah. was like, we don't know what the fuck to do with this type of music. So basically, let's do like some old parody bullshit, you know. Uh, Let's have them. Let's have them rapping to wipe out. Let's have them yeah. rapping the sex machine. And let's just have work to a certain degree because they sold a gang of records. Yeah, but yeah, to they me, did. they started losing their credibility of real hip hop and shit because you know, a, a motherfucker like me who loved uh, jailhouse rap and can you feel it and shit can like you that? Feel you turn it. around and now you want me to bust you. Now you want me to bang wipe out. Like really, like, <laughs> nigga, I'm I'm on the block in Compton. I can't bang white out, motherfucker. Eight is a real purist. I could picture a record company coming to him now with beats from Timberland and all these different people. Hey, eight, we want you to rap on this and wear this shiny suit. Well, if it's They'll good, though. With that. If it's good, I had to go through that shit um, when I left Sony and I went over to Big Beat Atlantic, mm. and they no longer wanted to. Um, fuck with our type of music. So yeah, they started. Uh, getting me to listen to beats, you know, Timberland would make, or you know, all that, you know, that that era that came with the, you know, uh, I call it that Jaru era, that that era what, around is there. Is this when you had the NOTR deal over there? I had an NOTR deal. I had a production deal with Big Beat Atlantic through right. Craig Calman, and um, you know, I'd signed a deal before I'd went over left uh, Epic. Right. Um, and so after my last record, uh, I went over there, you know, thought I had a nine-album production deal. And uh, we uh, produced a record on uh, NOTR, and it got shelved because they basically know they were going through that cop killer death row transition, right. trying to distance themselves from niggas like us. So it was like, okay, damn, uh we just signed this deal with this dude and the crazy shit about it was um, before I, I had turned in my last record with Sony, they tried to offer me a new deal. And Sony or Big Beat Atlantic? Sony. Okay. 
And uh, I had already signed a deal with Big Beat. So when my last record, I was supposed to go over there. But Sony came back to me and said, well, fuck it. Let's do three more records. So um, I hadn't taken a dime from Big Beat Atlantic. I hadn't taken a dime or not. I think I did a publishing deal with them. And I took some money from a publishing deal for my previous works. But I hadn't took a dime for any of the projects yet. And I went back over there and I was like, fuck it. Um, I'm going to go back to Sony. Because they had like they had like almost two mil on the table for mm. me to resign. And uh, so I went back to Big Beating them and I was like, well, you know, uh, Sony done offered me some bread. And since I haven't even walked in the door over here, let's just tear the deal up and I'm going to stay over here. That motherfucker said, no, give me half a million and I'll let you go. Wow. Who was that, Craig Cameron? Mm-hmm. Craig Cameron got to be one of the most foul niggas in music. He said, they said, give me a half a million and we'll let you out the deal. And I said, I ain't even started the deal yet. Like I can see if you had got some money from them. I hadn't taken a dime doing from them yet. So, uh, and then, uh, so they wouldn't let me out the deal. So I had to renege on the Sony deal, pass up on the two mil. So, uh, but I'm like, fuck it. I got a nine album production deal over there, so fuck it. Nigga, as soon as I get over there, they was like, pump your brakes. We don't know what we want to do. Wow. Are you serious? Yeah. That's why the never, stuff I, never said, came push, out. They said, pump your brakes. We don't know what we want to do. I said, oh, I don't give a fuck. I got a signed contract. So where's my production deal money? They was like, hold up. We don't know what direction. So they go, okay. Well, because, you know, me and Slip was producing all my shit, you know. Um, but they come back and they go, well, we're taking a different direction, blah, blah, blah. So basically anything I turned in from my camp, they didn't want it. Mm. So then they started going, well, we want to send you a beat from this dude. We want to send you a beat from this dude. We want to send you a beat from this dude. And it was all that transition shit. And no, we don't want you to talk about Let me about. ask you this. Was, did they all happen to be signed to Craig Cowman's little puppet? I don't know where they were from. You know, what you know how that worked. You know what he started doing after a while. You know where he made a lot of money from. Hmm. He had went and got Fiend. You know, Fiend oh, was yeah. no limit. And he took him down and had him writing for a bunch of people and was pretty much using Fiend as A&R. So Fiend went out and found a whole lot of people. Like a whole lot of people that actually blew up in the South got signed by Fiend. Right. And what was crazy was Fiend was telling me that pretty much Craig Cowman had sold all his publishing mm. and cashed out like and got millions of dollars, something like $85 million. And he had to find out about it from reading the, uh, one of the journals in the trade magazines. Didn't tell him nothing. Didn't wow. give him a dime. Didn't send him a million and say, good looking out for helping me build this and nothing. So I could believe that. He probably wanted to get in on your production and all that shit, too. Mm, I don't know what, but no, they was just, they they basically was like, we don't want none of the, the we don't like want none of that old MCHCM dub shit. Well, I had to threaten to take them to court and sue them because they didn't want to give me the budget. And they told me that I was free to go seek another deal if I wanted to. You could have went and got the two million from fucking Sony. <laughs> yeah, what? Mm. No, so but yeah, but they were. they office tearing up shit. Well, you know, we went back and forth for a minute and then, uh, you know, shit started getting ugly and whatever. So we settled mm. and they paid me something and I went away. 
Wow. And then that's when you went and did the thing with Mac. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That two million would have been crazy. nice over there because ain't no telling what kind of records we would have got off that motherfucker. Sony already knew what to do with you. They already had you. Well, Sony really didn't know shit to do with me. That was the problem all my time yeah, with wanting. That was the reason for me. Talking to Big Beat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how the fuck I met. Oh, that's how I met Craig. Because of my niggas from DFC. Mm. My nigga, my uh, Breed's cousins. The Funk Clan. Breed's cousins. Yep. They got a deal through Craig. And they hollered at us to do some some work. Some production. On a project. Me and yep. Slip did Caps Get Peeled. And I think Slip mixed half their album. Yep. Y'all did, um, did that? Yeah. What, Caps, yeah, Caps Get Peeled? Yeah. Yeah, that was me and Slip. I didn't know that. That's hard. I told um, y'all, eight could produce. Eight, eight is a cold motherfucker behind the board. So uh, that's how we hooked up with Craig. And then from that, you know, just the success of Menace to Society and me and Slip, you know, doing We Come Strapped and all that, he offered me a production deal. Mm. So I was going to do Niggas on the Run, N-O-T-R. I was going to do the homies Lil' Hawk and Bird, and then I was going to do me. I was always wondering who them was because you was promoting the hell out of them when he be on that shit, Lil' Hawk and Bird, Niggas on the Run. I was looking forward to that shit. I was too. And then, uh, yeah, we worked on the N-O-T-R album, our album. We did the whole album, mixed it, everything, turned it in, and it never came out. It got shelved. Hmm. And so after that, I just knew shit was finna go, you know. It's the music business. Where's it's that the album at now? And you know what? Let me take that back. I can't say Craig Cowman is foul. Business is, you he know. just do business. It's, it's he, business, he do man. Business. It's shrewd business. And, and I when, think it's fucked up, but it's shrewd business. I can't when say you in that, When you in that position to where you're kind of like sitting at the head of the table, I mean, you know, he he got a big position with with his with Big Beat and then you know cuz once we came over there he was like running Atlantic or one of the big dudes yeah. over there. He wasn't even on no Big Beat shit. That was his label, but when I Atlantic. when I hooked up with Craig, he was Atlantic. Like he was Atlantic. Nigga took us he took everybody. He took us all to dinner and bought us Christmas gifts. Nigga when we signed the deal we had a fancy dinner, nigga. They he bought Christmas gifts for all the crew, everything. That nigga was like, he was cool, but like I said, shrewd business. What can you That's do? And the nigga get, and the nigga, uh, shit, nigga gave me about what two, two and a quarter on a fucking publishing deal. Like, mm. I was like, fuck it. He was pretty cool, but like I said, when it comes to business and like I said, the transition of hip hop at the time, um. It was going through a rough. It was going was through a rough a lot patch. Of shit, man, you had the shit with Ice T. You had the cop killer shit. Man, you know the Reverends and yeah, Dolores yeah. Tucker's was out there. Calvin was, Butts. Yeah, I'm <laughs> niggas is mentioning us on political campaigns and shit. And yeah, I had a double sticker on my album and shit because of shit like that. Nigga, Your that, album wasn't even that bad. That's the crazy part about it. We come strap out a double sticker because. The labels were getting a lot of, they were getting a lot of motherfucking hard hit from just activists and community yeah. motherfuckers about, like, 
man, these niggas is with the bitch and the whole shit and niggas with, with the drive-bys and with the, the police shit and all that. They didn't like it. So we got a hard time as far as um, when West Coast rap got real popular. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. East Coast was the forefront, if you want to say, but... A lot of them, you know, Chuck D, look at Public Enemy, you know, the devil this and fuck this and fuck that. They didn't have it hard as niggas over here as far as y'all niggas said fuck the police. And right. y'all niggas said y'all getting <laughs> jacked in his drive-by shootings. And what year was this? Man, this was like shit in between like. The mid-90s. This the mid-90s, like 93, 94, 95, well, you know what happened during that time? If you remember... Um, the Ghetto Boys' first major album, when they went and kind of redid the um, previous one. Um, That's in my top ten. Yeah, We Can't Be Stopped. It's called, no, 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 no. You're talking about it's gripping called, on other gri level. Gri no, it's the Ghetto Boys album. It's the one with the mug shots. Yeah, oh, when they got with, uh, when they got with uh, American Rick, something. Rick Rubin. When they got with Rick, Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin. Deaf American. Pretty much yeah, that was it. Deaf America. Not that he tried Def to American. put the spin on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but what they did was they had um, kind of redid the early, it was kind of like- I didn't like it, stuff. though. Grip It On That Other Level was basically remade into the Ghetto Boys. Yeah, right, exactly. and I didn't like the Ghetto Boys. I liked it, Grip It On That Other Level. It well, was raw, what? it was raunchy, mm -hmm. it was real. I didn't like the way they- Polished it. Yeah, they, they polished it up on Rick yeah. yeah. And then the distributor, I think Geffen, refused to distribute the record, so you was going through a whole lot of shit at that time. Well, I have, yeah. I have all that in my book, The History of Gangster Rap, if you mm -hmm. haven't picked yeah, it up. Yeah, I peeped that out, Jim. <laughs> yeah, peeped that but, out. But the thing is, it was the, that one was back when they used to manufacture CDs. The company in Indiana that manufactured their CDs refused to press the CD. because they did They didn't approve of the content. So it's wild that we think about now all the wild stuff that we see on TV and in these songs and stuff that back then people actually refused to make an album, which then got a Rick Rubin to lose his deal and all this other stuff. Definitely. It was big, it was a big deal. And I think now- yeah, We went through a lot of, 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 we went through a lot of backlash trying to- uh, It was problems. Establish our identity in hip hop. Because you know, uh, we, you like I said, we had the the forefront of 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 hip hop yeah. came out of East Coast, you know, and like I was just talking about, you know, we had the Fat Boys and we had Run DMC and Curtis Blow and you okay. know UTFO and Houdini and a lot of you know the Audio Twos with a little MC Light, and then you had you know the Latifas that come out of there and all that type of you know so. It was trying to. It it was hard to um, establish our identity as far as West Coast, and then when we did, we caught a lot of backlash for our identity of mm -hmm. you know who we were. It was just so different at the time, man. I think a lot of people were scared. I think that's a big part of it. Everybody was scared. It wasn't just the. Music industry, one just white people. I think it was everybody was like, "Yo, what is this, and why does everybody love it so much?" And I think that if, that scared a lot. And of why people. do you think that is, though? Why do you think? Do you think it was just a fascination 
of listening to this new form of music, you know, as far as hip hop is concerned, because you know, motherfuckers was listening to hip hop. I think it's, I think it's to me what I noticed and what I saw, and actually on Ice T's Home Invasion and Cube's Lethal Injection, it was the fact of, to me, it was the white kids listening to this reality that people weren't getting exposed to before that's gonna change their minds. Like, wait a minute, what we've been taught in school is wrong. What we know to be true is not true because look at this other reality that is reality. I agree with you because- And that's crazy. You know, obviously you're white, right? Mm-hmm. And you come from a different environment than me and eight, right? You know, yeah. but you're very much into the culture, right? Have been since the beginning. Um, and I think that when you, when people see what they see in the mirror sometimes, they don't like what they, they don't like the reflection, right. you know? And I think once, because the people that blew this shit up, let's keep it real, it wasn't neighborhoods that blew it up. It was the yeah. kids like you across the country in the suburbs that started getting like, hey, is this really going on over there? Yeah, because the thing, I just remember when I was first hearing PSK or Six in the Morning or Boys in the Hood, it matched what I was seeing on TV or reading in the newspaper or when I would go into Baltimore or D.C., what I would see. But it was being told by the people that were living it, which I had never seen. I had never heard other than, you know, if I knew people or my friends knew people or relatives and my friends or whatever that were in Baltimore, in D.C., in the hoods, then I knew it. But I'd never heard it told from Philadelphia, from New York, from L.A., from Compton, like Mm – that made it so different and it added a real element to it. And I think that's what shocked everybody that not only are these dudes making this amazing music, but they're incredibly intelligent. They can articulate their views and they're really telling what's going on in a way that we had never heard before. Mm. Well, I guess with that being said, I guess we'll let you kick it off somewhere. <laughs> I guess we doing 15 to one. Well, I did mine, so we just doing a top 10. Because I did uh, up to number 11 last time. Number 11th, okay. So y'all got to do 14, or still especially, you got to do 14 to 11. 14 to 11? Yeah, or 15 to 11, excuse me. 15 to 11, man, damn. I've been um, kind of struggling with that, man. Okay. I, I've been really struggling with it because there. Every time I think I have a list compiled, I start thinking. I go back to listen to stuff, and I say, "No, I can't put that that low, and I got to put it here," because you know what? To me, I take this serious, man. You know, it's some dope ass art out there, man. Yeah. You know, it's a dope ass art. Even kind of coming to the final five, man. It's like, damn. It's, Do I really it's put tough. that down there? Do it's I really tough. put that? You know, it, it, it's tough because. There was, and I would say between 1991 and probably 1999, there was so much incredible music made, man. Like, really incredible music. And the thing that was dope about back then is nobody sounded alike. You would get slaughtered for coming out sounding like somebody else. Like, it wasn't nobody else to sound like MCA. It wasn't nobody else to sound like Snoop. It wasn't nobody else to sound like Easy e You feel what I'm saying? Well, I think... They did, they just were so less popular because people looked at them as biting. Yeah, you couldn't bite nobody. Mm. Now there people, were people that were out that sounded alike, but they didn't like the Well, the you second. didn't hear them motherfuckers because nobody want to hear a cheap invitation. It's like this. They were there, though. 
I wouldn't go Because said they was there. They yeah. were there. A gang it's of like cheap me. imitations. Like they probably got some dope-ass, you know, imitation Jordans somewhere, but I wouldn't know about them. I'm not ever wearing them motherfuckers. Nah, because remember, even though I never agreed with this, there were people that said that EPMD was sounding like Rakim. You got to remember that that was a thing. And they, they uh, both each rapped about it on their albums. So yeah. it, it was a thing. And people. I don't get how they think Eric Sermon sound anything like Rakim. I think it was more PMD. PMD. But it they definitely uh Easy said I sounded like around town talking this Easy and that. said I sounded like Rakim. That's why Bro. he didn't want to uh fuck with me on Roofless because I sounded too much like Rakim. Remember on so what you're saying? Remember on so what you're saying? People around town talking this and that how we sound like the R and our music was, was whack. whack. Wait. Dropped the album straight business. business. He thought it was, it was bold. bold. 30 days later, LP went gold. So what you saying? So there was always that element to it, but they, no one, I've never heard anyone, nor are they, but nobody looked at EPMD whack, but I also never looked at them as Rakim, even though some people did. Because I never they, did either. But they I never slowed. got that re- resemblance of, of sounding like rock. Because when I heard So What You Saying and Parrish was saying that, I was like, who's, who's comparing them to Rakim? Like, I'd never heard that until they said it. But then I asked people around, and then when I would meet people in New York later, they're like, oh, yeah, a lot of people thought that. Because I guess it's because they had a slow flow, and they were laid back, and they weren't. Yeah, I, I can see them trying to uh, say, you know, PMD because, you know, he has that slow flow too and yeah. that drawl of, of, of his speech. So, but never, I never, never, um, <laughs> never would have thought it. Yeah, not in a million years. And I was fans of both. You know, I grew up on Rocky M and EPMD. Me too. Um, so, uh, I would have never thought that. Nah. Never. But you, a lot of that just comes from, Somebody being the first, yep. And whether it be friends or homies or just fans, anytime somebody comes out new trailing, it's always you gonna get that. Oh yeah. man, you trying to be so and so, or you trying to be so and so until you make your significant point, or you or you make your presence known. That nah, nigga, this is me, you know. But right. a lot of people would would get that. Oh, who y'all trying to be? Exactly. We same shit with us. Oh, oh, y'all trying to be NWA, which y'all CMW. Right, you feel right. me? You know, mm-hmm. you get that until you have and to make your was, stand. There was a rap group, America's Most Wanted. There was a rap group, Detroit's Most Wanted. Yeah. There was rap, all kinds of most, of most wanted. Most after yeah. CMW. Yeah, yeah. Get in line, sucker. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Still, they were always there. It was get just it. that they were. Get in line, sucker. Not. Uh, uh, Y'all was original, though, eight. Nigga, we was original, nigga. CM Dub, nigga. Compton. Don't yeah. play. Man, that's crazy. But yeah, they always had somebody coming sounding like somebody else. That's for sure. Man, and the, the best example. The most egregious example is Das Effects. Mm. So many people bit them and wanted to. Oh yeah, everybody. Like a lot them. of a lot of motherfuckers want to get them everywhere. a little chiggity chiggity in yeah, every exactly. now and then. Fuck that shit, dude. Das Effects. They was they they're the be, most bit ever. Yeah, because they were so they killed their career a little bit. They, everybody biting them hurt them. Yeah, yeah they hurt style them. was so motherfucking just ridiculous. I love Das Effects. It was off the hook. It was original. Out. I was like, yeah. like you said, because because of 
the fascination with their exactly. style. Nigga, you heard a gang of niggas chiggity chiggity. Yeah, yeah hard Fliggity is this shit. Shizzle, dizzle, nizzle, <laughs> yeah. all that. Gang, all that. A gang of niggas bit my niggas from the, oh, y'all got effects, nigga. We got that shit too, <laughs> nigga. Chiggity chiggity, nigga, my stringity stringity, nigga. Dude, man, I just remember that was that was one of the main tapes that my boys loved in Maryland. Das Effects, man. Dead serious. Das Effects was hard. Man. And their beats on there? Oh my God. Yeah, they, they kind of flipped Ooh. the game, right? I mean, Ooh. where they come from? New York? Well, one's from New York. Uh, Dre's from Jersey. Yeah, the they had some, from New York. They had some hard shit, man. They beats was just like, yeah. damn, man. Yeah. These niggas doing, they, damn. Yeah, exactly. And their other albums are great too. Mm-hmm. They're just very different. Now that but... first album just Oof. it was just out there. But you know, sometimes when motherfuckers come out and that first project, man, it's just out. It's like you can't you can't touch that again. Yeah, man. You, it's you can't. untouchable. I don't give a fuck. Your other shit was good, but you can't you can't touch that ever <laughs> again, man. Because it's magic. Yeah, it had man. never been done before and it could never be done again because of that. Mm-hmm. Man, come man. on that bump, skiggly bump, man. Y'all better stop playing. That was the shit. Man, we got some good shit, man, in our days. You know, people. Yeah. A lot of people. Uh, you know, we got we get a lot of motherfucking flack nowadays for old school hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a lot of motherfuckers don't like to give us our recognition and props and shit. But we had some shit, man, back in the days. That's for sure. Real talk. We had some shit. AT and T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. 
and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. So, still, you got yours? Man, you have to go first, man. All right. Well, if we go on in the top 10, these are somewhat in no particular order. But in somewhat of order, speaking of albums that really changed a lot of sound, I got to go with the first Cypress Hill, the self-titled Cypress Hill album. Yeah, bang that. Woo! Man, that album inspired so much, I think, especially sonically with what Muggs did on there. What and was then, that one? That was your number, five, number 10? No, that's, that's looking like number 10. Uh-huh. Be Real and Send Dog 2 and really taking the different approach that one you know i always think about why doesn't that album get more recognition and more acclaim and then uh one of my boys told me he thinks it's because the chronic came out the following year i was like yeah maybe that has something to do with it but hand on the pump how i could just kill a man pigs latin lingo funky feel one there's just so many songs on that album man it's amazing uh, I'd also, obviously, Doggy Styles in the top 10 uh, for obvious reasons. I would say Mr. Don't Play, Everything's Working by Project Pet is in there. That's one of my favorite albums ever. Top 10? Yeah, for sure. And he, like eight, like all the great gangster rappers, Project Pet shows you the 
the downfalls of the game. It's not a glorification. It's an education or edutainment or faction. So I got to go with that. I would always go with the Ghetto Boys, Grip It On That Other Level, Slash, the Ghetto Boys album, because they're essentially the same, even though they have significant differences. But both of those albums, I combine into one album because they're essentially the same. Uh, that album is the only time I ever remember hearing a song, and it was Mind of a Lunatic, that I actually, the first time I heard it, I was scared. I was yeah, like, what are these dudes too. talking about? I was really, I was floored by that that album, Mind of a mm-hmm. Lunatic, because I could really see him doing it. Like, they wrote it so well and delivered it so well, and the production was so there. And I just remember coming off of the Car Freaks Ghetto Boys. I was like, "Who? what? What happened? <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, I got the infamous Mob Deep up here. I think that one... Uh, this, that whole album is uh, pretty flawless, in my opinion. Uh, we got the both and the only two NWA's albums, Brothers for Life, Straight Out Compton. I get both of those. The Chronic, mm-hmm. uh, and Glasses and I share an affinity for this album, probably more than most people. But Easy Does It, I also think is top ten. Oh, that's a great album. And then my number one album which I think is one of the best albums, period, in rap history, which is my number one album for gangster rap is Death Certificate by Ice Cube. And I think that's the most brilliant examination of it from so many different levels, from, you know, Alive on Arrival, looking at the healthcare system, from I Want to Kill Sam to Us to Colorblind. It's really just looking at, my summer vacation is one of the best stories I think ever in rap history and really explained the migration of gangs from the West to the Midwest, especially. Mm-hmm. And I just, and it, it blended in the political commentary, social commentary. Obviously there's a big heavy influence with the nation of Islam on the album and knowledge itself and all that stuff. But I just think, Death Certificate, man, uh, you know, shout out Sir Jenks and DJ Pooh, Bobcat, Rashad, everybody that did it. And, again, Colorblind, one of the best examinations, too, of everything. Just phenomenal. So that's my top ten. Yes, phenomenal. That's a phenomenal list. Uh, I have mine. I was able to put a top ten together even I was able to put the other ones in because it was so – you There's know. so many albums. There's so many. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. 
Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah Yeah Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose, I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready. You know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is in no particular order, but it kind of is. It's still kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. Y'all will probably disagree with me on some of these right here. (laughs) But this is just my... 
my thing right here. This is my list right here. That's yours? Yep. Um, it's yours. Right now, um, I don't know if you guys would consider the Gangsta Rap album, but on my number 10, I got 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying. Yeah, that was on my list, just a little higher, but yeah. Number 10, it's got 50 sure. Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying. The Game, the documentary. The Ghetto Boys, Grip It on the Other Level. There you go. Number seven, Scarface to Fix. Mm. Number six, We Come Strap. Mm. Five, The Ghetto Boys, We Can't Be Stopped. Ice Cube, Death Certificate. <laughs> Still laughing already. Dr. Dre, The Chronic. Ice Cube, Lethal Injection. Number one, Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style. Lethal Injection? Mm. Oh, no, man. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, got, I can't vouch with you I can't ride with that one. Yeah, I can't, man. Lethal injection? Nah, dude. Nah, man. Nah, man. Well, you know what? Hold on. Yeah, man. Come on, man. You, you, I'm about to do you like Stephen A's list, man. You about to get a D around this moment. Hold on. What's wrong with lethal injection over death certificate? What? Oh, over you death certificate? killing me? Well, death certificate is number two. I don't but care. But it's still, it man. Can't be. It no, can, no, 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 no. Man. No. There's, there's, there's no 20 way. other gangster rap albums. Nigga, there's I pick, I, man, I, I pick, I, I pick motherfucking above the law living like hustlers over Absolutely. motherfucking uh, lethal injection. Absolutely. Real I, talk, I agree. man. 100%. Real talk. <clears throat> lethal injection? Injection? What's on lethal injection that's gangster to you? Tell me, what name one song right now? Injection is the shit, man. Name. You can't even name a song on that motherfucker. Go to that motherfucker album right now and tell me what's the gangster gangster <laughs> shit on there. He said Bobga. You know what? What? <laughs> hold on. Nigga, Wicked? What? Hold on, hold on. Wicked? No, that, that's hold not on. on that album. That's not on that album. That's not on that album. That's hold on the Predator. On. That's on the Predator. I made a motherfucking mistake. Hold the on. The Predator's way I made better. Because I'm looking at lethal injection right now. Hold on. Yes. Yes, you did. Hold on. Allow me. Ghetto Bird's a great song, though. That bass line on Ghetto Bird is incredible. Shout out to KD's on Hold on. I, <clears throat> lethal injection. I made a massive error. Okay. I made a massive I error. I don't know what I already knew that. I don't know what America's <laughs> most wanted. Oh. Okay. America's most wanted. I don't know why the fuck I was thinking about lethal injection, but America's most wanted. Yes. Not the shit with the bop gun and all on there. America's most wanted. Okay. Still, I think I still ride with death certificate, but at least America's most wanted, I can understand. But. Well, I have them on here actually written at death certificate number two. I have death And the only one is better than is what? Doggy style, you said? Doggy style. Mm. And that's kind of debate. That was up for debate. That's why it was so hard for me to put together. I just, for me, as brilliant as Doggy Style is, story-wise, conceptual-wise, that certificate is just, it's just a different, it's just a different comparison. It's not even a comparable. Well, that's why I said this ain't the final list, and that's why I struggle with going back and forth. I just think at the time when Snoop came out with Doggy Style, because you got to remember from the way it came in, Rage on that motherfucker busting, it just wasn't a Snoop Dogg album. It was like it was just an introduction to the whole motherfucking coach. You know what I mean? Yeah, it but was The just, Chronic did that first. Yeah, but not the way that, you know, Doggy Style was just like a, a, a movement, man. It was just like when it first came in, man, it's like all of these albums are great. I don't know how the fuck I fucked up and put lethal injection. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I was thinking about, man. But 
you know, you think about it right here. All of these right here, like even with, even when you talk about the Ghetto Boys albums, like We Can't Be Stopped, in some ways, I like that album better than I do The Chronic. Really? I can't ride with you on that. I'm going to say, um, I didn't listen to Lethal Injection, really. Well, no, Lethal Injection was a mistake. That was the biggest most wanted. I got, um, in no particular order, I just got uh, Spice One, 187, he wrote. That's a great album. I got The Chronic. Mm -hmm. I got NWA First Album. Right out of Compton. I got Music to Drive By. I got Short Dogs in the House. That, wait, hey, you're thinking that's a gangster rap? The Ghetto and all of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's man. a gangster rap album, yeah. dog. Yeah. Paula, I got no model, Paula I got no and Janet. Through 15. Paula and just, Janet. Just, just. That's a great album. Yeah. Um, that's probably Short's best album. Bitch ain't nothing but a word to me. That That's that's hood shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I got uh, We Can't Be Stopped. I got uh, Gripping on the Other Level. I got Death Certificate, Doggy Style, The Chronic, and We Come Strapped. We got almost the same list. We got pretty much except, that. I don't know how I was thinking about <laughs> that, man. It's all right. It's all right. You like it? No, I it's good. That's not what I want. That's we not gonna, what I'm trying to do. We're going to put you, we're going to paint your face and put the little top hat on you. You're going to get around this you motherfucker. You, I wicked. I wicked. You know, you know how you're going through a thing? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find a list I wrote down here, but I got like a million fucking notes in this motherfucker, and I was thinking, okay, I don't know how the fuck I thought of that, man. It's all good, still. That, it's all man. good. Because that was a bad mistake. Y'all the- nah. No, because that's a soundtrack. It's a soundtrack, it's not a soundtrack. I, it don't yeah. I got now we can do soundtracks, but yeah, I got a short dog in the house, nigga. That that bad hood, nigga. I got that in my eleven through fifteen. Now, y'all that that was in the hood, man. That banged all through the hood. I think that's short's best album. It, yeah, that and life is too short. I always yeah 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 those yeah, two yeah. because dude cuss words. Oh my god, man. Don't fight the feeling. It's a hard. Those two are hard, but I think nigga, I like born the Mac, nigga. Born the Mac. Dude, all he, if he just put an album eight that just had Dope Fiend beat and Freaky Tales on it. Yeah, man, man, come on. Come on. Dude, just those two songs alone. But Party Time, that was a great. That was a good, yeah. That's a lot of. Yeah, Boy the Mac was 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 a nice Short's album, incredible. man. But, but Short but Dogs in the House was cracking, and 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 Life, Life is, is Too Short, I ain't dog. Tripping, City I ain't of Dope, tripping no more, motherfucking. Uh, Town. Don't fight the feeling. Don't fight the like feeling. Everybody in the hood, bang. Don't fight. Yo, the when feeling. he said, <laughs> when the danger so danger zone said, do they call you too short because you're hot or you're with? This uh, sucker will hang your balls from a cliff. Mm-hmm. I was like, who are these girls? The hood was banging that too. Who are these girls? The hood was banging. That was also one of the first whispery flows too. Hold on. You want to make sure we got all the other stuff before we go? So we we keep going right there. Um, City of Dope was cracking. City of Dope. Here was my. Nobody Does It Better was cracking. Mm. 15 through 11 in no particular order. Easy E, Easy Does It, Brother Lynch Home, Season of the Sickness, mm-hmm. Music to Drive By, 187 He Wrote, and Short Dogs in the House. 
Yeah, that's a that's a thorough thorough list right there. Short dogs in the house. I fucked it up by seeing some shit like Lethal Injection. <laughs> Even though Lethal Injection had some of Q's biggest records ever on that motherfucker. What was on there? Let me see. Um, let me, let me Rob go. Gun was the only really big song. Yeah, because I'm about to go here right now. Was and it that's my nigga. Uh, that was on The Predator. That was on The Predator. Mm-hmm. I like Lethal Injection. Okay, let me tell you what was on. Um, he has some Ghetto cool Bird. songs. Ghetto Bird's one of the best songs on there. He had... Ghetto Bird. Yeah, it wasn't a whack album. It okay. It, it he wasn't. had You Know How We Do It. Okay. Oh. He had Bob Gun. He had the motherfucker to die. How you like me now? How you like to do? What can I do? Now the, the, I liked it. I think the remix, though. Yeah, the that remix was, the was banger. Bad. He had little ass G on that motherfucker. It's a good album. Little ass G yeah, was the album, shit. But, but it's, it's not. not. It's not death certificate. Of leaf, leaf, it's not death certificate on America's Most Wanted. No. Um, no. I think because I was, um, I don't know. You know, Cube was, you know, my nigga was big time. My nigga's on Hollywood yeah. sets and shit and writing movies and shit. So you know, sometimes people might say your influence. For the penmanship, which Cube has always been prolific when it came to penmanship. Mm-hmm. So, but I think when you listen to records like, you know, America's Most Wanted and Death Certificate and hearing songs like fucking Once Upon a Time in the Projects or, or fucking Steady Mobbing or My Summer Vacation, you know, you mm-hmm. turn around and hear Bop Gun, it kind of like, throws your flavor off a little bit because we wanted Cube to stay, you yeah. know, in the neighborhood. We wanted Cube to stay 111 uh, NWA straight out of Compton Cube. And sometimes niggas be feeling like, you know, I got to say something different. You know, I've been there, done that. I'm transitioning. I'm older, family, kids. So I need to make more, you know, music, you know, maybe maybe a little tone it down a well, little bit. Well, the beats too, the Bop Gun, for instance, just it was, you know how we do it. They were both so smooth. They had right. they had the funk, but they were so smooth as opposed to America's Most Wanted, exactly. Kill It Will, Death Certificate. They had well, that. The nigga. You got to admit, though, Death Certificate, Lethal Injection, it's easy to see how you get the confusion. Nah, man. not at all. But Not when you all. think about titles and shit, and I was just because I was spitting my list off the top of my head, and still, man, we gave you the pass, man. Don't, don't, okay. don't try to, don't. All just right, keep when you moving. think about, <laughs> when you think about though, man, like um, death certificate, though, man, just from the beats and just the whole thing, it sounded like a movie, kind of. It's phenomenal. It sounded like a movie, man. You know, just um, even like stuff like giving up the nappy dugout, and I think that was mm. Bobcat's last great work. Like I think he was just awesome on it. I think him. Who and all of them? I think I would like to see the boogeymen do more work. You know what I mean? For sure. I would like to see them do more work. Like I would love to see the boogeyman hook up with MC8. Like you got all of these. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just like all of these people. Like like even now, like um. How to fuck me some bomb squad beats up? Yeah. Yeah, I think you'd have been dope over the motherfuckers. I think you'd have been dope over them and the boogeyman. I think that was the West Coast answer to the bomb squad kind of just with those thick beefy ass bass lines. Mm-hmm. Bobcat got some of the beefiest bass lines just in hip hop, just all that. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, Bobcat's a monster. Very underrated. 
Bob got some beats now, man, that I know I know for a fact some of them beats he played me eight, maybe 10, 15 years old, but bang like a motherfucker. He's like, I got to change the drums up. I'm like, no, you don't need to change shit in the motherfucker. Didn't Bobcat do Backyard Boogie? Yep. Yes, he did. That motherfucker bang, too. That's, yeah, that's one of my favorite. That's, he did Backyard that's Boogie. Yep. As a matter of fact, I don't know. Let me see. I'll get Bobcat on the phone. You should. Hold on. Let me see if I can get DJ Bobcat on the phone. That's my big bro right there. Yeah, he's he amazing. The phone. He did a lot of great work with Pac, obviously. LL Cool J. Bobcat like nigga hit me next week, nigga. <laughs> he hit the phone is down. Drums. No, I talked to Bob. Man, you know what it is with Bob? Bob is probably asleep right now. Bob stays up at night. When I usually talk to Bob, it's at nighttime. Okay. It's at nighttime. He'd say, still, I'll call you back, and I'll talk to him like at 1 o'clock in the morning or some shit like that. Gotcha. Yeah, he's a, he's an all-time great that doesn't get enough. Bob is a phenomenal fucking producer, and that's why I get and mad DJ. at him. Yeah, and, that's and why I DJ. get mad at him. You know, he got a lot of the problems, a lot of the old-school cats got, though, to where they think it's like back in the day to where they hold on to shit and just wait for that perfect moment while I got to have this. I'm like, dude. Them six month rollouts ain't happening no more. Like them, remember the ninety day rollout eight? Mm-hmm. You would be doing this and that. You need a street single to set this up and all that. No, they not doing that. You just put that shit out now. Yeah, yeah. The 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 um, the workings of of putting out a record and the whole transition of the setup and you know the promo tours and going around the country and hitting the in stores and you know. Those days are gone. You know, a lot of record, a lot of mom and pops are closed. You know, a lot of one stops are closed. Um, Most of them, yeah. Uh, motherfuckers rely on you know what they what they stuck to most of now, and that's your phone. You get me? Yeah. Um, so um, it, it's 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 easier for a motherfucker nowadays. You get me? I can make a song in my living room and then upload it. Put it out to somewhere, <laughs> and you know the record stores now or the streaming sites. You yeah. get me? And how do you how do you how do you get that? How do you promote that? Well, you buy spots and you buy this, and mm-hmm. you know you buy that, or you know we can we can double your page with fans. Mm-hmm. You pay for this and you pay for that. You know that's the that's the successes of the record business nowadays. You know, I miss the days of where, you know, you would have to go and connect with the fans and in stores and, you know, even even the corporate fucking bullshit where you have to go to the towns and go up to the fucking uh, the, cor- the label in, in Tennessee or go up to the label in Atlanta or, right. you know... It was just you. You well, got it, to see. You got to see the grind of your work, and especially for somebody like me who um, grew up in the hood. You know, who didn't venture out of the hood too much. You know, it gave you a chance for a person who didn't have those opportunities to go away to college or you know do whatever. AT and T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. 
So what was one of your biggest markets that you didn't realize till you actually went there? Man, shit. It was a few of those places. Um, depending on, you know, during that run of um, between straight checking them and, and we come strapped. Okay. Um, I could go just about shit any place uh, outside of L.A., you get me? Mm-hmm. I could go up north to Frisco. It'd be a thousand people waiting outside for signed autographs. I could go down to Texas, Dallas, Houston. Mm. It'd be people around the block waiting to get autographs and, and, and buy the new CD that just came out. Um, Chicago no, was I, always. I was a with big you in place. Chicago one time. Yeah, um, Midwest always been big on, on West Coast games. Detroit. I mean, we used yeah. to hit like I would go from here. We would pop up to Frisco. Then we would pop up to Seattle. Then we would bounce down to Arizona. Then go across to Dallas, Houston. Shoot up to motherfucking Denver. Jump across somewhere to like St. Louis. Then. Uh, Bounce up the motherfucking Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, fucking, you know, all of those spots. Jump over the motherfucking Washington, Philly, mm-hmm. then come down to New Jersey and then roll on into mm-hmm. New York. That was a standard promo tour for me. You know what's funny, man? I always notice, man. It's like the DMV, the DMV from the DMV on up to like, Ohio, Detroit. Um, yeah, that was my run. The, the we didn't much. Detroit. We didn't much do down south. Like when we would get to like, rest. we would get to maybe as far as sometime New Orleans, and then we would cut up. We wouldn't go across like the Georgias, the Mississippi. But you did Texas though, right? I did all. I did Houston. I did Austin. I did Dallas. And that's the funny part about it. Like, I even Houston did. I even did. I even. We would even do Galveston. Yeah, you but me? Texas has always listened to, like, West Coast gangster rap. And you could tell kind of their music because even on the yeah, screw yeah. tapes, he was screw like, Yeah, he would screw a lot of our music. Yeah, CM he was screw like, you know what I'm saying? Sebo's his favorite artist. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it was always like that. Like, even when you think about the Ghetto Boys, it's almost like they was Jay Prince's answer to N.W.A. because they damn near came out, you know, almost the same time when you think about the original incarnation, maybe a few years later. No, about four the years later, time. about the same time. But remember, yeah. Car Freaks is even before them, but it was different. Mm-hmm. They were very different. Jay Prince won against the shit. He wanted, he wanted some shit. Was remember, he was trying to have a... Uh, he wanted Raheem to be his LL Cool J. Remember the Vigilante? Right. Raheem? I remember Raheem. Yeah, that was his LL Cool J. He even had the Red Kango on the cover. If y'all remember that back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yep, the Vigilante. <laughs> Raheem the Vigilante. You know, I was talking yeah, we, to Willie D, right? Mm-hmm. I was talking to homie Willie D, and I asked him. I said, hey, man, when we do the Top 50 show, because I'm want i going to have people call in. I want to have people call in, you know, different rappers. And he said, well, where are we at in the list? Now, he said, are we number one? I said, man, I don't know. Y'all number one in my book. He said, if we ain't number one, I don't want no second place. I don't want no third place for us. I said, dog, it's the Top 50 hip-hop albums all the time. I don't give a fuck if we ain't number one. I don't want to be on there. He said, I'll do the show, but we can't call us nothing for that. Mm. Will is, shout out to my homeboy, Willie D. Willie D a good dude. Him and Brad both. Yes, sir. Willie D is the homie, though. Yes, Willie D is probably, when you talk about underrated people, Willie D don't have some of the coldest raps, dog. 
And he ain't That's never sure. he ain't never mentioned on the shit. You think about read these Nikes, dog. Here we go again, another brawl, a conflict. <laughs> Somebody finna get their ass yes, kicked. <laughs> if you ain't down with the ghetto boys, get your happy ass out of Dodge. The rumors you heard ain't slander. Willie D don't give a fuck about, about the goddamn bystander. So when you see me clinch my fist, get out the way and get T-Roll, bitch. bitch. <laughs> that motherfucker was hard, dog. Yes, he is. He was hard, man. Niggas had their different flavors, man. That's all. You know, people had their favoritism of who, you know, when it comes to the ghetto boys. Um, all three was 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 cool to me and homies. I built a better relationship with Scarface, but they were all cool to me. You know, but, you know cool motherfuckers have their preferences. You get me? I think the controversy is one of the best album covers too ever. Yeah, it was, man. Controversy. <laughs> Album covers back in the day. You know what? Speaking of back in the day, I wanted to ask, man, if you notice in the 90s, from the 90s for a long time, we always had a summertime anthem. Mm -hmm. It ain't been one of those in hip-hop in a, in a minute, man. Mm. Like, you know, just think about it, even when you had Will Smith, the summertime. You know, summertime. Yeah. You had um, all these big records. Like, what was your record? All for the Money. That came out. That was a big summer record. Mm-hmm. All for the money. You just had songs that just played through the summer, man. It's like, I wonder sometimes what's happening with hip-hop, man. Like, I get worried sometimes. Well. It's too much variety, and it's too much, um, it's too much, uh, what have you done for me lately? Um, yeah. You put out a song today. Nigga hit me. I could put out a song today. A nigga gonna hit me and be like, that motherfucker was hard. Two days from now, a nigga gonna be like, what else you got? <laughs> yeah, the music cycle is too short. They you know like, what happened? And that, that's, I, I feel that's because it's a billion niggas now. And when you got shit like streaming sites to where, okay, they play this song one second, and then now you're on this artist this second. Then you're on this artist this second. Motherfuckers' attention span is and that's like... That's why artists... I noticed the way artists release albums, now especially the new cats, they release an album, right? Then they drop a single. Then they drop another single. Then they drop another single. Then they drop another album. So you look up, through the year, they don't drop like 10 to 15 fucking albums. Mm -hmm. Through where the whole course of your career, if you was lucky, you got to get three. Yeah. Lucky. If you was lucky. Lucky, yeah. Lucky. If you was lucky, you got to get three albums. That's the and power of... That's the power of self-promotion and self-doing yeah. right now. Um, yeah, because, yeah, nigga, I'm going to do 15 songs, and then two days later, I'm going to go just run in the studio and do another song, and I'm going to drop that motherfucker tomorrow as a single. And then two days from now, I'm going to run to the studio and do another song, and then tomorrow, I'm going to drop that motherfucking well, single. You, you know what? I, I was talking to one of the little homies, right? Not little homie, very much a grown man, but Jeep Rico, right? And I was talking to him. He was like, yeah, I'm going to go get back and record this album, right? Mm. And I was like, damn, you just dropped the album. But he's putting out another one. I guess in the way the climate is today with that streaming because motherfuckers' attention span. Like I said. Goes like, so fast. It's like you, you got to an album out today and by mm. next week a nigga wants you to drop another album. Because like, records have turned into content. Feel? Just like how we do this podcast. Yeah. Albums have turned into fucking content, man, where motherfuckers just... Okay, I'm going to go record an album. And right. before, you know, I know when I was recording, I always wanted to have a theme, like a story to my shit. I just didn't go in and just record a bunch of songs. Right, that's me. I like to have a, a title, a subject, 
a theme or something. I don't just like to, hey, put the beat on and I'm just going to start rapping about anything. I hate doing that shit. So um, I like to vibe to the music and come up with some kind of concept first. And then once I do that, the shit kind of easy for me. Once I come up with that first five words and shit of whatever that concept or that story is going to be. Usually it just flows after that, but yeah. I don't like just getting in there and they put the beat on and the next thing you know, I'm I'm just yeah. rapping about anything and shit, but that's a lot of, of Just rapping the rap. That's what they call it. They call it freestyling today. You know, back in our days, freestyling was, you know, just really? but, but today you can have a whole song and it could talk about nothing just a bunch of shit and that's freestyling today yeah it is and you know what man i think was hurting the kids today not the songs like the ultimate old head but you got to remember some of the greatest hip-hop albums had producer clicks or it was just like one person overseas or you had situations to where it was might have been three or four cats but they was all working in concert with each other like well, a I lot think, of these top 10 albums we yeah just i think that's what made three six mafia so great because to me Juicy J and DJ Paul are probably one, if not the greatest production tandem of all time. They got to be damn to mentioned in the top three. Yeah, they're up there. Them dudes are phenomenal fucking producers, and I'll never hear them get their credit because they kind of invented the Memphis sound. Well, they they uh, stamped it. They definitely stamped it, and I know you know you hear a lot of artists like I hear Crunchy Black um, talking about Paul owe him money, but. Without them beats, and I'll crunchy black you, my God, man, I love you to death, but without them DJ Paul and Juicy J beats, I don't know if the stuff would have been hitting like that. I mean... And I like crunchy black. Crunchy black is the homie. You know, been on the show and everything else, but... Gotta have the beats, man. The producers are very important. And, and a lot of them, you know, 3-6 Mafia went through a lot of members, right? Mm-hmm. They went through a whole lot of members, but the one thing that remained the same and what made that group what it was were DJ Paul and Juicy J's beats. Them motherfuckers are incredible, man. And me being a producer, dude, to make beats, some of them samples and the way they flipped them, like even the riding spinners, Mm -hmm. the way they chopped that shit up because it had to be chopped because that original groove don't go. Like they made that groove that dun, 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 dun. Just what they do is it's not easy. Not at all. It's not easy. And they did it hundreds of times. That's what I'm saying, man. You know, and, and they've taken the same sample and made multiple hit records out of it, and all the motherfuckers sound different. Yeah. They've done that multiple times, too. They flipped it. They flipped, chopped, stripped, blend, all kinds of different things. Yeah, they're good songwriters, too, man. They had they, they had it going on, man. They they, yeah. they had this shit. they definitely some of my favorites, man. And I know on this top 50 list, they got a, they going to wind up probably with a, more than one representation on there. Um, Project Pat, Mr. Don't Play. That's That's the one. Yeah, and, and you know what? He's one of them dudes, like we mentioned Rick Ross earlier off the thing. He's one of them dudes that just seem like he just get fucking better, man. I heard him on some shit, um, even on the Drake shit. Oh, yeah. He spazzed on there. Bring syrup like his liquor. Catching up the guy quicker. Yeah. No, he's he's a, he's a true master of the game, Project Pat. Hey, you know what? This is something I always wanted to ask you, my nigga, and it's a trip because I can actually ask you now. You had a very distinct sound. Like your shit was almost like, you almost like the Clive Barker of rap. All your shit was always ominous. Like like, like a motherfucker creeping. Mm. 
like I forget what song was that, man. They had this like horn in there, like in the background. It was like, um, and then it went to like this piano break toward the end. Um, I forget which album it was on. It went in the piano, and it sounded real cinematic and had the strings coming in and shit, man. Eight shit always sounded like a movie, like motherfuckers creeping. Yeah. Your music always sounded like one big ass drive by. Like, I just picture motherfuckers loading their motherfucking magazines up and shit and just creeping on the motherfucker. Um, Was that intentional? Yeah, I, I never tried to. Um, I left the, uh, the up tempo partying, rapping to everybody else. Um, I want to just tell stories with my shit. And uh, I thought the best way to paint the picture of the lifestyle of what I was going through was by, um, like scoring fucking movies and, and those, those shows, you know, you always get to a certain part of the movie or the show where that sinister music comes in and they're showing you, you know, the killer or the motherfuckers getting ready to rob the bank or, you know, what's taking them to that desperate situation of what they have to do, whatever it is. And that's how I tried to describe my music was, um, Growing up in the neighborhood, you know, niggas kicked it and, you know, neighborhood parties and shit like that. But it was always sinister to me, you know. You got to look over your back and the lights go out. You don't know who creeping down the street. Who's going to die today? Uh, you know, what we got to do to make some money, uh, you know. Life ain't always good at home and shit. When you're growing up in Compton and poverty and and not even on movie shit, just looking at, you know, just the everyday scene of, you know, shoof, nigga made it home today. You get me? Um, that's what you went through on a daily, uh, 13, 14 years old. So when it was time for me to, and I was always a fan of movies, you know, uh, gangster movies, killer movie, whatever it be, whatever. Um, I was always a fan of that part where the police chase get ready to start or the killers bust into the room and the shootout start. And you always hear that music, mm, 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 you know, that build up. So I always wanted my music to be, you know, my soundtrack to the streets mm -hmm. and I always just felt like ain't nothing fun over here. You know, niggas made fun records, you know, party records, you know. Uh, my nigga Snoop had us grooving like a motherfucker, right. you know. Um, and you let him have his Cube had Cube had us grooving on a couple of songs. My nigga Mac had us grooving on songs. Mac, you're a boogie. You get me? Um, I didn't want to groove. You get me? I didn't want to groove because I didn't feel groovy. I didn't feel groove like I didn't feel that. Like it was hell growing up. And that's how I felt in my music. Yeah, we making a little money and shit like that, but I didn't start I didn't start enjoying that until I got out of Compton cuz my first 3 records I was still there. So that all my music was like nigga niggas is Y'all having fun? Cool. 
homie got shot at last night, or I still got pulled over. And, nigga, I got two records out, nigga, and I'm handcuffed in the back of a sheriff car right now. That's how that that was still going on for me. So every time it was time for me to make music, I wanted to make that hard hitting point music. Like nigga, the homie high on Sherm on stick. Jo made a, a cool song about Sherm stick. stick, but I'm telling you, fuck this shit. The homie Shermed out, and we don't know who finna come blast on us. And the police done pulled up. It's like nothing was fun for me growing up gang banging and being in the hood it wasn't you know i had the days of yeah we kicking it niggas is barbecuing and we at the park and shit but it was always on high alert nigga come through here at any time and shoot this motherfucker up that's what i always thought about so let me go home and write a song about that you get me or i didn't go home and write a song about yeah, we was at the picnic today, and niggas was kicking it, and the bitches was good. Nigga, I went like, yeah, nigga, we had a picnic, nigga, and the enemy came through, and then the one times this, and nigga, nigga, the homie got shot. Now we finna attend the funeral. Fuck that fucking barbecue we was at. That's what I wrote about, because I seen that shit on, it, it was on a daily and if it wasn't happening over here, it damn sure was happening around the corner in the homies hood. And that's or, exactly what that song sound like, because it sounds like a soundtrack. Man, my shit was sinister, in, man. And it's sinister, like this one like horn comes in, like. And then I used to, you know, just, I used to listen to that that groovy type of shit, you know, uh, 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 sugar-free fucking you know, uh, I used to listen to all type of groovy-ass motherfucking those sinister songs. Like, I, I didn't listen to shit like, hey. You're a very dark individual, dog. Yeah, man. I was, yeah, this man. motherfucker is dark. He don't like, <laughs> he don't like the joke. He don't like <laughs> yeah, the motherfucker that shit. he want to joke. Man, fuck that shit, nigga. I'm, a, I'm like the nigga that walk in and everybody partying and chilling and eating. And then you look over in the corner and I'm standing over there like, and they like, baby, get you something to eat. You don't want. And I'm standing up looking at everybody like, mm. no, I'm good. I'm good. They was like, that shit, it could be your own family members, your cousins and everything. They like, hey, eight, hey, what's happening? What's so up? With what's these up? movies, <laughs> since, since we doing movies in 2024, man, I can't come to you with no comedies then. I mean, shit, that's motherfucking, you know, times have changed, man. I'm, I'm. I'm a little more open. I'm a little more relaxed and shit. I ain't worried about, you know, you go through different shits when you when you in your motherfucking twenties and teens and and as a parent as opposed to, you know, going through life and seeing that, you know, you can take yourself out of those negative equations and shit, you know. So that's what you learn to do. That's what I learned to do. So, you know. I can make whatever kind of music right now, but like I said, growing up, I saw a different light. I saw a different aspect as far as, you know, the streets is concerned. My shit was my shit was gory brother Lynch hung every day. You feel me? Yeah. Like that that's that's where my life was. It wasn't and like I said, we had fun. 
We got to go to Magic Mountain and Disneyland and shit like that sometimes when we could afford the shit. But yeah, we would would fight at Magic Mountain and shit like that, you know. I remember one time we went up there and the police wouldn't let us, you know, they knew we was Crips. And they said it was blood day at Magic Mountain. Wow. And they wouldn't let us even go in. No bullshit. Really? No bullshit. Me and a gang of the homies or some, and the ladies went up to Magic Mountain wow. and the motherfucking sheriffs. They used to have the sheriffs up the there. sheriff said it's blood that y'all can't come in here. No. They probably saved y'all. They go, my mama, they did. They told wow. us. You know, and that was back when niggas was like 19 and 20. Niggas was knuckleheads and shit. Hmm. Yeah, you know, before we get up out of here, um, we go actually drop this top 50 list next week, and it's going to be a little bit different. We go do it big. I got some calls set up, man. I'm looking forward to that. I got some, you know, some surprises, man, some surprise I calls. I got man. surprises. Some surprise calls. There's a few of them, a few tricks up my sleeve. Before we get up out of here, man, I want to give a shout-out to the spot we record at the Coin Academy, man, the homie Maka, Go Mac, all them dudes, man, good cats, man. For sure. Coin got some good shit going on. Rest in peace, my nigga Laylaw, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, Laylaw legend. Shout out Laylaw, man. For sure. And we out of here. Yeah. Well, that concludes another episode of the Gangster Chronicles podcast. Be sure to download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles podcast. For Apple users, find a purple mic on the front of your screen, subscribe to the show, leave a comment, and rating. Executive producers for the Gangster Chronicles podcast are Norman Steele and Aaron MCA Tyler. Our visual media director is Brian Wyatt, and our audio editor is Taylor Hayes. The Gangster Chronicles is a production of iHeartMedia Network and the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., 
And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.